Happy Easter, everyone. And it's, it's so good to be with you this morning. This is the part of the service that we're going to open up God's word together. We're going to read a couple of verses of the Bible. And there's no more confetti cannons. You'll be glad to hear as well. So we're going to go, dive straight into Mark 16. And we're going to read 1 to 8. So Mark 16, verse 1 to 8. If you've got a Bible, you might want to dig it out. If you don't have a Bible, you can have we look uh, online or get the Bible Gateway app, the Bible app on your app store. And just as long as you're not leaving that to then go in the verse, you know, stick on the screen and, and listen in. But if you've not got a Bible at home, you can download that app or let us know if you want a, a paper copy and we'll get one out to you as well. So Mark 16 and we're going to be reading from verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Amen. Amen. Aren't they just amazing verses? Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen. I want to ask you a question. Are any of you morning people? You know, are you a morning person? I think I am a morning person. I have, I, I tend to, when I get up, I have a spring in my step. I'm singing songs badly around the house. And, you know, I'm bouncing around the house. I'm like, Maddie says, it's like, I'm super loud in the morning. I'm getting ready for the day ahead. And one of our boys is that as well. It's almost at like seven, well, actually it's earlier just now. It's around half six. It's like a switch turns on and he's just wired. He's ready to go for the day ahead. Mary, on the other hand, is not a morning person, my wife Mary. She is an evening person. And I've just realized that might be because of my singing and jumping around the house because I am a morning person. She's like, I definitely don't want to be a morning person. And it, she says, everything just seems louder in the morning. <laughs> this morning is Easter Sunday. And as we look upon and celebrate the resurrection, if we know Jesus, if we are in a relationship with Jesus, it goes beyond morning or evening people. We are a resurrection people. His death means no death for us. His resurrection and the empty tomb mean our resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 says, We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Eugene Peterson writes, The Bible is not a script for a funeral service, but it is the record of God always bringing life where we expected to find death. Everywhere it is the story of resurrection. Everywhere it is the story of resurrection. 
And that is to be the story of our lives too. His resurrection means our resurrection. Maybe you are in need of a resurrection today, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I want to I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that we, in our hearts, that we would make room this morning. May you move, may you be so kind, Lord, to move in our, in our rooms, in our houses today on this Easter Sunday. I pray that we would see a rattle of dry bones on this Easter Sunday. May we see light and life in dark places. May we see dead things come to life. May we see the things that we've written off come into focus. Take us by surprise this morning. I pray that for everyone watching, everyone watching live, everyone catching up, everyone who's come across this by accident. Lord, I want to pray life. I want to pray resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Two short things this morning I want to go into. Firstly, if we are to live in light of the resurrection, we are to enlarge our tents. We're to enlarge our tents. Now, this time last year, as I was reflecting, we've just begun lockdown. And I think we all got to know our Amazon delivery drivers a bit, didn't we? We got to know them by name. Uh, to fill the time we looked to new, I know certainly we did, to look, uh, to fill the time we looked to new hobbies, new interests, learning new things perhaps. We bought a tent. We ended up buying a tent and we camped out in the garden. We thought that would be good fun to do that. I say we, it ended up being me and our eldest who were camping out in the garden because the four-man tent wasn't really a four-man tent. No matter how much we tried to configure it and work out where we would be lying, only no more than two of us could get in. And we ended up picking some of the worst evenings weather-wise. It was wild. And Joshua, our eldest, was snuggled up to me, I think at like two in the morning, could hear his snoring and he was kind of wrapped into me. And I was wide awake. I was wide awake thinking this tent is going to blow away. Literally, it felt like there was people around the tent, like pushing into the tent, the wind and the rain battering against it. And I would go out and uh, because the tent peg things, the pin, I wrote the pin things and then I realised they're tent pegs. I, I had to stamp them back down because they were blowing up at a certain corner. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. But we had bacon in the morning and bacon makes everything okay, doesn't it? So it ended up being an okay experience. It's amazing how when you camp, everything tastes better afterwards after you've or when you've been camping. The food just tastes amazing. You know, these, uh, there's words in Isaiah 54 that I'm going to read. And these words that Isaiah shared, the prophet Isaiah, he speaks about enlarging your tents. And this was, he was speaking to the Gentiles. And this was great news for them because they were spiritually barren at this time. And, he's, and in a sense, these words that I'm going to read is that preparation moment. It's saying, get ready. And as I've been reflecting, you know, to live in light of the resurrection, some of us aren't ready. Some of us are squeezing God into a space that's too small. And some of us, the Holy Spirit wants to shake and realign our perspective of God. That I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we're limiting God by what is limiting us. At a meeting of Baptist leaders in the late 1700s, a newly ordained minister stood to argue 
for the value of overseas missions. He was abruptly interrupted by an older minister who said, young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. And that attitude is inconceivable today and it's largely due to the efforts of that young man. That young man's name was William Carey. He persevered, he plodded on, and he held on to this vision that God had given him. In 1792, he organised a missionary society and at its first meeting, he preached a sermon with the call, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And he based this on the passage in Isaiah 54. Isaiah, these verses in Isaiah 54 says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Within a year, Carey and his family and, uh, were on a ship headed for India. And he was a real pioneer for missionary work as we know it today. In verse 1 of the passage that I read in Mark 16, we read these women who brought spices uh, expecting a dead body. Disciples were nowhere and uh, these ladies were bringing spices for death to improve the stench of death with the fragrance of resurrection life was actually bursting forth through that tomb. Three times in previous chapters in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, on the third day I will rise again. And in verse 7 as well, we read uh, the words, just as he told you, Jesus had already said, I'm going to rise on the third day. We, will, we have to make room in order to enlarge our tents and we will have to see bigger than we currently do. These women in their grief couldn't see beyond death in spite of Jesus' words, in spite of his words in person. The disciples couldn't see beyond the death. This, the story abruptly ended in a way that they couldn't fathom. This wasn't how it was meant to happen. This wasn't how they envisioned, envisaged it. They had their plan worked out. And in that moment, the ladies bring spices. That's all they can bring in that moment. And you would have thought that despite the disciples, one of them would have thought, did Jesus not say on the third day, do you not think we should go and check? Do you not think we should go and see? Let's Maybe we should. You know, there's something that deeply resonates in, uh, in that human moment with the disciples that we all face, those questions, the hurt, the confusion, the, the heart-wrenching pain, and how we journey the absence of what we grew, grew accustomed to. They had journeyed with Jesus for, for years. And we've all been there in, in varying measures and depths. And it's just how we, we are in our humanness. But we must remember, we don't need to cover the stench of death. On Easter Sunday, Jesus eradicated it and brought new life. For some of us, this Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus, the story is going to be speaking in new ways into our hearts. And 
God, by his spirit, is going to be ushering a fresh commission to enlarge our perspective of him, to stretch out in faith, to be unashamed and bold and to be real with him, to reach out into the new and to dig deeper in him. In our Easter Saturday moments, those in-between moments, the waiting, are we a, a people who remember Easter Sunday? Rick Warren, who is a pastor of a Saddleback Church in America, he speaks of journeying the three days, the Good Friday, Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday, and how we journey those days as a cycle through our lives. And I think that's true. And that in our death and burial days, we look to the resurrection that is coming. For every cross we carry or go through, there is a resurrection. What a hope that is to cling to today. With every cross we carry right now, there's a resurrection. Are we carrying spices into spaces where the Lord wants to bring resurrection? The Lord is saying this morning, enlarge the space of your tents. And just perhaps there's new stories ahead in this next season. And if we look, if we look at Mark 15, I'm going to get rid of this page, we see a new story. We see the centurion. Let's have a quick look at the centurion. In Mark 15, 39, if we read that verse, it says, uh, well, 30, verse 38, or verse 37, we're going back and back. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Now, the centurion was a senior officer in the, at the crucifixion site. He witnessed the darkness that came over the world at that time. He would have likely heard the veil being torn. Something of that cry from Jesus in death moved him. The centurion was a brutal man who had presided over death after death, who swore allegiance to the Roman world. Yet when he stood in front, in front of Jesus, when he saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. That is remarkable. What a turnaround story. I wonder what unexpected God surprise is ahead if we would only enlarge the space of our tents. So we enlarge our tents and then secondly, we enter into the future hope. Now, uh, there's one thing in the working world which is an absolute game changer for folk uh, in their nine to five. It's something that happens that completely transforms their demeanor, their output, their morale, and it generally transforms their everyday life. They're like a different person. I wonder if you've guessed it. I'm going to tell you. It's when they get a holiday booked. It's when we get a holiday booked. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone comes into the office beaming or into the workplace and you're like, what's happened, Margaret? You look like the cat who's got the cream. And she's like, what, me? Well, I've just booked two weeks in Tenerife in September. I'm looking forward to it. And they're like a different person. They're looking forward to the holiday. They've got the countdown on their desktop screensaver. 
they're starting to say, oh, I bought my flip-flops, I've got my sun lotion. They're looking, you see their internet history, it's all the weather, looking at what the temperature is and looking what it is here. And like, it's going to be 20 degrees warmer. I can't wait. But then they come back and then it's like back to square one all over again. And you're, you end up saying, or you end up thinking, Margaret, I'll book your next holiday. I want to see pre-holiday Margaret back in the office again. You know, in light of the resurrection, we are to enter into the future hope that Jesus brings us. We so often live like this is the, the only world we will ever know. This broken world. And we live in a place of accumulating and focusing and earning and getting to certain points or certain events and placing so much weight and importance into these moments, into money, into status, into holidays, into stuff that will leave us still with an emptiness and a yearning for more, that will never fully satisfy. One P Peter in 1 Peter 4 says, but we have an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. And I think the combination of this last year and a slowdown of all sorts of things in our lives is an opportunity to make a choice which direction we are headed. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning and you know there's an emptiness or a yearning for purpose and more. And where you have been looking and where you've been going and stepping into it isn't just, isn't doing it. Or maybe... You do know Jesus and you're just stuck in a rut and it feels that the rut's getting deeper and deeper. What a day on Easter Sunday to point our hearts and minds and lives to the future hope that all things will be made new. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Oh, that this Easter Sunday, more than ever, we would know deep down in the fibre of our beings that future hope, that this isn't the end of the story. Let me just read from Revelation 21, verse 1 to 5, as I come in to close. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God sending his son, Jesus, to live a perfect, blameless life and to take all of our sin on himself, on the cross, to enter into that darkness, to defeat that darkness. Darkness is but a shadow. And Jesus resurrecting, the empty tomb bringing life. He did it for love. It comes from love 
for us. I was walking home a couple of weeks ago uh, from dropping off our boys to nursery and school and uh, I seen a class walking around the grass. Uh, I think they were doing some steps for a charity fundraiser. They had to do a certain amount of steps each day. And it was the class that my eldest is in. And they were all in a line and they were, uh, there was kids chatting and uh, playing and just general fun happening while they were walking. And then I seen my, my boy walking all by himself. And I ended up getting really emotional. I was like, oh, why is he, why is he walking himself? Like, is he okay? And, and then I just had a moment where I was walking down the steps and I was like full on crying, just thinking, I just love my boys. I just love my kids and I want the best for them. And if they're in pain, I'm in pain. And uh, I just want to see them okay. And I felt God in that moment as I got back home and I was like, what is, what was that? You know, it often bubbles up inside of me in random points. I've sometimes just sit in the living room going, oh, I just love my boys. Love my children, what a gift. And I felt God say in that moment, see that, see that moment that you have. That isn't even a glimpse of how I look at you. That isn't even a glimpse And my prayer this morning on Easter Sunday, in light of the resurrection, is that we would be a crazy bunch of Jesus followers that would enlarge our tents, that would receive his love afresh and would step into, not just here, but step into the future hope promised to us this Easter. And that will change everything. That will change how we walk through the valleys. That will change how we celebrate. That will change how we live. That will change how we make everyday decisions. That will change how we love. That will change how we view people. That will change how we go on the mission. So let's be a people who live in light of the resurrection.